everyone around me seems to have it all. They have luxurious homes, go on expensive vacations, and wear designer clothes. I should strive for the same to show that I'm successful in keeping up with others. Why wait for later when I can enjoy life now? I deserve all the pleasures and comforts money can buy. Who knows what tomorrow holds? I don't want to miss out on opportunities that others are enjoying. I need to acquire more to make sure I don't feel left behind or excluded. If I accumulate wealth and possessions, I'll gain respect and admiration from others. Being recognized as successful in the eyes of society will validate my worth. I'll feel so much better about myself. I must secure my future financially. I mean, what if something goes wrong? My main focus in life is to accumulate enough wealth to protect myself and my loved ones. Who could blame me for that? Hey there, I'm Victoria, a certified Christian life coach, author, motivational speaker, and university educator, and I am obsessed with helping you navigate through life's ups and downs so that you can live day by day in God's peace despite the many external demands on your time and energy. The Choose to Think Inspirational podcast is about the delicate dance between God transforming you from the inside out and your personal responsibility for change, maturity, and refinement as a Christ follower. On the show, I'll help you connect the between your faith and your life in practical, meaningful ways while giving God room to do what only He can do and so that you can shine your light for Christ and be better equipped to serve your family and help others around you. You can change every area of your life one thought at a time. Welcome back to the Choose to Think Inspirational Podcast Brain Changer. Let's dive in. So what do you think about those opening lines that you just heard? If you're discerning, you probably already recognize that I just led you to the top of one slippery slope, but don't despair. I'm going to show you the way off this mountain and the way to the heart of God when it comes to your thoughts and your focus regarding wealth. I think I know what you want, and tell me if I have this straight. You long for contentment and joy in life. You want to be fulfilled and connected. And in your heart of hearts, you know that contentment, joy, fulfillment, and connectedness have very little, if anything, to do with money and earthly riches. Even King Solomon, the richest guy who ever walked the face of this earth, said it like this. He concluded it, that this is what you should do in life. You should fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. He said that in Ecclesiastes. And essentially, he was saying that everything else you do under the sun is meaningless. And that would include your pursuit of tangible items and goods, the good life, your possessions, live in the dream, right? Well, stay with me here because today's episode is jam-packed with inspiration, encouragement, and practical how-tos when it comes to shifting your thoughts from gaining material possessions and living the life to increasing your eternal wealth. Even if this is not a hangup for you, after listening to this episode, you'll walk away with a boatload of reminders to stoke the fire on your priority to love God first in your life. It's going to be great. So stay with me. Let me just also add, is there anything wrong with having tons of stuff and living the life? Well, I don't suppose so, but I think we could safely conclude that you cannot buy happiness and inner joy. Those only come by way of your respect, adoration, and love for God and that relationship that you have with Him. 
That's pretty much the end of the story. Well, here's another example. What did our King Jesus have to say about all this? In Matthew 6, 19 and through 21, he said, quote, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, end quote. Would you say that Jesus is suggesting that you focus more on the blessings that come from living a life aligned with God's will and kingdom values rather than focusing solely on material possessions and gain? Yeah, me too. Well, what exactly are treasures in heaven? In a nutshell, treasure is wealth, whether literal or figurative. And our starting block for today is Psalm 49. So I want you to join me as I unpack the overarching theme of this psalm, which is building eternal wealth as opposed to amassing earthly possessions and treasures. The theme in a nutshell is verse 17. When you die, you will take nothing with you. I want you to stay tuned to the very end because, of course, I'm going to offer four concrete how-tos or tips, you know, those practical applications that we love that will help you to make sure that your perspective is eternally based and that the wealth you're building is heavenly wealth or heavenly treasures, okay, instead of earthly ones. And let me also say that if you are wealthy in earthly possessions, there's nothing inherently wrong with this. God blesses his people in many magnificent ways. The point here is that if your thoughts are focused more on material and earthly wealth than they are heavenly treasures, well, you're going to find yourself bankrupt in the meantime and in the long haul. Money and earthly possessions cannot possibly deliver or give you what you're looking for. You know, the contentment and the joy regarding wealth. Where do you spend your mental energy? What thoughts do you repeatedly engage? If you're not careful, you'll waste a whole lot of time pursuing futile living, and it starts with your thoughts. Now, first, let's listen to the psalm. And as I read it, be sure to pay attention to repeated themes or words such as wealth, riches, ransom, redemption, foolishness, wisdom, sheol, which means hell. I will meet you on the other side with those four tips on creating and sustaining and building heavenly treasures. And when you do those tips, you'll find that joy all right. You'll find contentment and fulfillment. And if you would say, mm, I don't really struggle with wanting things I don't have, or I don't really desire to get more, do more, go more, etc. Well, that's okay too, because maybe this episode will reassure you that you're on the right track. Maybe some of these tips will offer new insights and staying on that narrow path. Please stay tuned. Psalm 49, the NIV version. Hear this, all peoples. Listen, all inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth will speak wisdom, and the meditation of my heart will be understanding. I will incline my ear to a proverb, I will express my riddle on the harp. Why should I fear in days of adversity when the injustice of those who betray me surrounds me? Those who trust in their wealth and boast in the abundance of their riches? No one can by any means redeem another or give God a ransom for him. For the redemption of his soul is priceless 
and he should cease imagining forever, that he might live on eternally, that he might not undergo decay. For he sees that even wise people die. The foolish and the stupid alike perish and leave their wealth to others. Their inner thought is that their houses are forever and their dwelling places to all generations. They have named their lands after their own names. But man in his splendor will not endure. He is like the animals that perish. This is the way of those who are foolish and of those after them who approve their words. Like sheep, they sink down to Sheol. Death will be their shepherd and the upright will rule over them in the morning and their form shall be for Sheol to consume so that they have no lofty home. But God will redeem my soul from the power of Sheol for he will receive me. Do not be afraid when a person becomes rich, when the splendor of his house is increased. For when he dies, he will take nothing with him. His wealth will not descend after him. Though while he lives, he congratulates himself. And though people praise you when you do well for yourself, he will go to the generation of his fathers. They will never see the light. Mankind in its splendor, yet without understanding, is like the animals that perish. And this is the word of the Lord. I think we've made a pretty good case for focusing on eternal wealth, not earthly possessions. And I love how Charles Spurgeon puts it. He says, quote, Lay aside the pursuit of temporary riches and invest your efforts in cultivating treasures that will last eternally. The true worth of life is not measured by possessions, but by our relationship with God and our impact on others. So let's take note of that clue. Your relationship with God and your impact on others. That's good. Dr. Timothy Keller takes it further, quote, Heavenly treasures are the eternal rewards that come from a life surrendered to Christ. These are the virtues, character traits, and loving actions that contribute to God's kingdom. When we first seek the kingdom of God, we store up treasures that will never fade away. So not only are heavenly treasures built on your relationship with God and your impact on others, they are those actions that you take that build God's kingdom on earth and the key to all of this is seeking God first in all that you do. Let's get directo al grano, as they say in Spanish, right to the grain or the heart of the matter. You may be caught in a tug of war to work hard at your job to gain possessions, increase your wealth, live that carefree life. It's a common lure, if you will. Perhaps you came from a family who didn't have much when you were young, and so you vowed to make sure that your family would have all the latest and greatest. Let's learn to resist this worldly thinking just a bit and figure out how to amass heavenly treasures instead. And here are those four tips. But before I list them, you should note that the focus here is on building your relationships with others, because although you cannot take people with you when you die, you can influence people for Christ while you live. 
Tip number one, create meaningful traditions. Here are concrete ways that you can do just that. Why not establish regular family nights where you engage in activities that promote bonding, sharing stories, and discussing matters of faith? Regular listeners know that my family celebrates Friday Family Fun Night, it's FFFN, every week. Lately, I've been just throwing pizza on the table and a side salad, not making some grandiose meal that I used to make mainly because I don't want all the cleanup afterward. Instead, I want to visit with the ones who arrive early and stay a bit later. The curious thing has happened. Even on those Fridays that my husband Jim and I are out of town, the kids still tend to congregate with one another. It's amazing how that family holiday has become so firmly etched into their hearts and minds. Can you start something like that in your family? Call it game night or movie night or card night or bowling night. And remember, it's never too late to start something good. Another thing you can do is dedicate time each day for family prayer or devotion, emphasizing gratitude and focusing on eternal values and all those amazing character traits of God. I've known families who have a big prayer slash praise book in the kitchen where everyone can list their needs and offer thanks to God for the way he is working in their lives. If you don't know where to start, written devotionals make the perfect jump start to your morning. Check out the Choose to Think Devo, complete with a daily scripture reading and prayer, plus discussion questions that would be great if you have teenagers in the house. Make family prayer time a tradition. The point here is to be grateful for what you have and to begin to have eyes for how God works daily in your life, how he continues to sustain and bless you and watch over you and guide you. Do you thank him often? Try the rose, rose, thorn, bud ritual with your spouse each night. This is not my idea, but rather it's from a gentleman named Neil P is what I'm going to call him. Each of you takes turns to share a rose, something to be grateful for or something positive that happened that day. And you need to be specific. Specific. After you share your first rose, you repeat the same thing and you share another rose. Then you share a thorn, something that was troubling, difficult, or even heartbreaking. Then you share a bud, what you're looking forward to soon, something you are eagerly anticipating. This is a simple tradition at the end of the night to settle your heart and mind before sleeping. Then you can pray over one another and hopefully drift right to sleep. Here's another idea. Plan volunteer activities as a family allowing your children to experience the joy of giving and serving others. Are there places you can plug in at church or in your community to help? Our church has the Jesus Prom and other events that could easily become traditional as they happen every year. Can you make volunteering a family tradition? There may be a little old lady down the street who would love a bit of assistance. Maybe you can create bags of non-perishable items to offer panhandlers when you're out driving. The ways to create a serving tradition with your family or even by yourself are endless. So tip number one to help you focus more on heavenly treasures than earthly acquisitions is to create meaningful traditions. And tip number two is kind of like that in ways. There's a little bit of overlapping, but it's to practice generosity together. So one, create meaningful traditions and two, practice generosity together. Do you remember what Jesus said to the rich young man in Matthew 19? He said to him, quote, If you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Now that is generosity in action, all right. 
He also tells his disciples this in Luke 12, sell your possessions and give to the poor, provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. Well, do you see the shift in focus? Can you do the same? Let me give you a few ways to do just that. Teach your children or loved ones about the importance of giving by involving them in choosing charities or causes to support. There are many organizations you can support. I ran a Google search, and I bet you've heard of some of these. Samaritan's Purse, Operation Christmas Child, World Vision's Gift Catalog, Habitat for Humanity, Angel Tree, Compassion International, Love in the Name of Christ, that's Love, Inc., Bread for the World. Well, choose one of those and show your children how to do this. Show your grandchildren how to do this. Show your siblings, your loved ones how to do this. Help your children think beyond themselves. Let them get a peek into the lives of children much, much less fortunate than they are. Help them to see the many blessings they have, the conveniences, the luxuries, and to find a way to pass on these many blessings to others who don't. As to family values, you can encourage your children to share their toys, clothes, or their belongings with others in need, fostering a spirit of generosity. You can do this yourself. Why don't you go through your closets and declutter? Go through your garage, your entire home, and declutter. Oh, I missed my declutter challenge these last couple of summers because, you know, we moved. And so, I didn't really need to declutter because moving is decluttering, right? Although, trust me, I still have boxes and I moved last year. But the point is, when you declutter your garage and your home, you can find all those new and gently used items to donate. This really costs nothing except your time, and it's a share model. In other words, it's a model for, for you to show how you are sharing and how important that is to you. Another thing you can do is practice project-based giving. Encourage your children or loved ones to come up with their own giving projects. This could involve fundraising activities like bake sales, lemonade stands, or creative craft sales with the proceeds going to a chosen charity. Let your children take ownership of planning, executing, and reflecting on their projects, fostering a sense of responsibility and accomplishment. You could also organize a family garage sale or donation drive to raise funds for a charitable organization of your choice or a family in need. So tip number one to help you focus more on heavenly treasures than earthly acquisitions is to create meaningful traditions. And tip number two is to practice generosity together. Tip number three might surprise you, but it's to use your smartphone strategically. What does your smartphone have to do with wealth and treasures on earth versus on heaven? Well, think about it. How do you spend your time each day? You'd probably say, well, I sleep, I eat, I have pastimes, I work both in a job and I work to keep up my home. All considered, there's one thing that may be robbing more of your time than you think. It's really a time thief and that's your smartphone. It's a tool, but when not used strategically, it can destroy your thought life and your relationship with God because it draws your mind to earthly issues and concerns. It's curious to note that each generation trends a bit differently on their cell phone usage, but suffice it to say, almost everyone dedicates hours 
to their phone daily. Although there are lots of things we might be doing on our phones, if we're not careful, we can become addicted. And this addiction draws our thoughts, our minds, our attention away from focusing on heavenly treasures. Your phone may draw your precious attention and mental and emotional energy away from seeking God first and maintaining a healthy relationship with him. It can hinder your pursuit for living a virtuous life, for exhibiting godly character traits and loving actions that contribute to God's kingdom. Do you believe all that? Well, if you do, what can you do about it? Kind of easy. You've heard these things before. You can set limits on your screen time for yourself and for your kids, allowing more room for face-to-face -face interactions and quality time. Isn't it ironic that my cell phone just dinged? I have my phone on, normally I have it off with a setting so that it will ring only when my family members call, like my parents, my sister, all my children, spouses. When they call, I wanna hear it, but otherwise my phone is off. Now, I have my phone on now because my dad is in the hospital and some of the doctors are supposed to call and so forth, so I feel like I've had to have it on even all night long. So. It's just so funny that that's why it's dinging now, but maybe that was a good reminder for me to tell you that, did you know that you can do emergency bypass on your phone? You can actually, there's a setting, I have an iPhone, there's a setting where I can pick the people I want to hear their phone call. And otherwise, my phone is actually turned on silent mode all the time because it's such a distraction to me. Just like right now. As I was talking about setting limits on the screen time, the keywords here are face-to-face -face and quality time that you want to spend, you want to make room for in your life with your loved ones. Have a phone docking station where everyone puts their phones at night. Studies consistently encourage you to take the phone out of your bedroom. Of your bedroom. If you're not convinced, try tracking exactly where you're spending your phone time. Most phones will give you that information, but just be aware. Are there any redeeming factors with your phone? Well, of course. You can use technology to connect you with your loved ones who live far away, fostering those relationships and keeping the focus on meaningful con connections. When I watch my grandkids, I always try to FaceTime with my parents so they can see their great-grandchildren, hear them, and talk to them a bit. And this is oh so good for everyone, and it's easy. Okay, so far so good. Create meaningful traditions, practice generosity, and use your smartphone mindfully and strategically. I got one more tip, and this is a personal fave. Foster supportive relationships. Keyword, supportive. So the tip number four is to foster supportive relationships. Surround yourself with friends and family who uplift and encourage you, fostering an environment where you can share your challenges and victories. We all need those people in our lives who understand us and spur us on. You know, I think back on my life historically, when I was married with young children, I had a group of young mothers at church. We understood the trials and pains of parenting and having children. We could support each other and encourage one another. Then later, I formed intimate relationships with other homeschooling moms. As a single mom for years, I also had meaningful friendships with other single moms. There's nothing quite like being in the same boat together and trying to figure out life. We shared all the ups and downs and backed each other at the turn of a dime. Now I have new friendships with all my pickleball friends. Because I see them at least once or twice a week, they know what's going on in my life and with my family. 
And when you focus on friendships and family ships that are supportive of where you are and when you reciprocate, you are bolstering your heavenly treasures in a sense. You are able to demonstrate Christ to others in all your relationships, spread the good news, and be salt and light to those who don't know you. You too can seek out or create a support group or online community that focuses on your season of life, such as being in college, raising young children, divorce care, parenting, or caregiving for aging parents. This will allow you to connect with others facing similar situations. You can support one another in all the relationships you have. Be sure to prioritize open and honest communications, discussing your needs, and finding ways to support each other. What are some practical ways to foster meaningful relationships? Well, regular communication. Stay in touch with your friends, family, and loved ones through regular communication. Make an effort to call, text, or meet in person to catch up. Share updates to help you maintain a strong connection. Quality time. You've heard that a lot. Spend quality time with those you care about. Plan activities, outings, or meals together where you can engage in meaningful conversations, build memories, and strengthen your bonds. Acts of kindness. Perform intentional acts of kindness that show your love and support for others. This could involve sending encouraging notes, dropping off meals for someone in need, or helping with practical tasks. Celebrate milestones. Acknowledge and celebrate important milestones in the lives of your loved ones. This might be birthdays, anniversaries, achievements, and other special occasions that matter to them. Provide practical assistance. Offer practical assistance when needed. This could mean helping with childcare, running errands, providing transportation, or offering a helping hand during challenging times. So let's recap. The four tips to help you maintain a heavenly perspective and focus on eternal wealth are these. Number one, create meaningful traditions. Number two, practice generosity. Three, use your smartphone strategically. And four, foster supportive relationships. But I'm going to give you something else, a little bonus here to kind of put all this into perspective. Try using this analogy to help you remember to prioritize properly and to keep your perspective in the day-to-day of it all. Imagine life as a journey where you are packing a suitcase. Fill your suitcase with eternal treasures like love, compassion, and kindness, rather than being consumed by accumulating material possessions. Then let's say you're at a friend's house, surrounded by luxurious possessions and lavish decorations. It's easy to feel a twinge of envy or a sense of longing for similar material abundance. However, This is where the concept of prioritizing eternal wealth comes into play in the day-to-day of it all. Just as you admire your friend's beautiful belongings, you can remind yourself that true treasure lies in the warmth of the laughter you share together, the kindness you show, and the love that you give. These are all Christ qualities. Think of it as packing your suitcase with these lasting, intangible riches that will accompany you on your journey through life. Prioritizing eternal wealth, seeking God first, will bring a sense of contentment and joy, knowing that your true value is in your character and your relationship with God. Focusing on genuine connections with others creates memorable experiences that fill your heart with joy, making your life truly rich. The love and care you show now will be etched in everyone's hearts and you'll leave a legacy of compassion and empathy. Ooh, how about that analogy? What are you putting in your suitcase? What are you filling your bags with? 
Jesus goes on to say that where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Keep your heart heavenly focused, not consumed with things of this earth. In Colossians 2, Jesus mentions having treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Oh, I like that one. This means wisdom and knowledge about God, the Bible, the teachings of Jesus, the very character of the triune God that we serve. Let's you and I both purpose to be rich in these things. Surely that is a key component to a life well lived in service to God and others. Psalm 49 reminds you and me that true wealth lies in your relationship with God, the values you hold, and the state of your soul, rather than in material possessions that only fade away. Although both the wise and foolish may be wealthy in earthly riches, neither can take anything with them when they die. Material possessions are irrelevant in the face of mortality. This psalm is a strong reminder to trust in God alone and not trust in your material wealth. There's no security there, really. It is God who is your anchor, God who is your refuge. He's your security, and he has the power to redeem and deliver you from the grave, offering eternal hope beyond the limitations of your life here on this earth. And if you don't know him, please reach out to me. I would love to share my faith with you. I would love to answer your questions, any concerns or doubts that you may have. Maybe you and I can chat together. We'll jump on a Zoom call. Of course, there's no charge for something like that. And you know, I hope you're encouraged, sweet friend. And if you have a moment to let me know which of these tips of the four that you're going to work on today, shoot me an email at choose to think at gmail.com. Love you. Have a great day. And that's a wrap, Brain Changer. And listen, if you like what you hear, would you leave us a one to two sentence review at Apple Podcasts, share the link with a friend, or tag me on your share on social media? It would mean the world to me and would help us to keep shining the light of Christ and sharing the good news to others who are in need of encouragement. Please visit us on our website at choosetothink.co. That's with the number two, choosetothink.co, to get on our monthly newsletter list. And if you need a guest speaker for your next women's retreat or church event, I'm your gal. Email me at choose to think at gmail.com. And that's with the number two, choose to think at gmail.com. Finally, I offer limited free mentoring sessions each month where you and I can chat to help you develop a strategy for your thoughts in any area of your life. I'm a certified life coach and I have something to share. Visit choose to think.co and click on mentoring for more details. Also, keep in mind that the messages on this show are for informational and educational purposes only. Please consult your medical doctor for all medical issues. Thank you again for tuning in. God bless you.